in the fall of 1944, there were, apparently were 3,200 German prisoners of war in Iowa. Did you all know that? I didn't know anything about this. Uh, in Algana, Iowa. Uh, and so they're, here are the 3,200 prisoners halfway around the world from their families, separated from the ones they love, not knowing when the war was going to end, not knowing when they would be set free. And, um, and, and it starts setting in on them that, that they're going to spend Christmas in this prisoner of war camp, away from home, away from the family. Um, Edward uh, Cabe was one of the prisoners, and, and it was really hitting him hard. He was missing home. He was missing his family, uh, missing just the thought of missing the, the holiday festivities with, with, in his hometown, with his family, with the people he loved. Um, so depression was setting in. Uh, was it say, to say that it looked like there would be little joy, if any joy, to be found that Christmas in the camp would be an understatement. So Cabe and his buddies, they decided to do something about it. And this is what's interesting here. Um, they began working long hours in the evening, building a half-size uh, half figures of, uh, of a nativity scene. They, 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 made, they made all the pieces out of concrete and wire and plaster pairs, and they put Jesus right in the center where he, where he belongs, and, and they, they made Mary and put Mary there and put Joseph there, and then they made some shepherds, and then they made the wise men, and they made all these pieces, and, um, and Cape and his friends, they, they paid for the material with their own money, they, um, and they found some level of joy making this nativity scene, and they set it on the edge of the camp where all the, the, the citizens of the community of the town of Algana could, could walk by and they could see this nativity scene. My question to you is, of all the things, you know, you, know, you go through sad times, you go through bad times, you, go, you, know, you get depressed, of, of all the things to pull you out of it, to, 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 to get the joy back in your life, what, what would you do? And, and, and why, why, is, why is this what they chose to do? To build a nativity scene. For some reason, this is what brought them joy. To build a nativity scene. To share it with the, the community where they're prisoners. And, and, and the only answer I have is maybe because they realize that because of our sin, we're all prisoners. And Jesus has come to set the captives free. Today, I want us to, to go through the nativity scene and, and look at each character in the nativity scene and, and, and try to, to figure out what were, what were they thinking, what were they feeling, and how did they respond. Um, and I want to begin with the angel Gabriel. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. That's a pretty profound verse right there. It, it, it communicates a few things to us. First of all, God wanted, wanted a message to be shared with the world. This message of good news. So he sends an angel. It was the angel Gabriel who broke the story to Mary. It was the angel Gabriel who broke the story to Joseph. And we don't know what angel it was. It could have been Gabriel. It could have been other angels. But other angels appeared to the shepherds and told the shepherds to, to, to go see this child that had been born to them. The angels were not bystanders. 
they were messengers. And they were on a mission. They were sent by God. And when you think of angels, I think of angels, you know, kind of lofty creatures here. You know, I, I don't understand too much about angels, don't know much about angels. I know that we're not like angels. Um, but at the same time, I know there's a few similarities that I want to identify. First of all, angels are not gods. They are created beings, just like you and I are. We're created beings. We're not gods. And angels are not the object of worship. They should never be the object of worship. They worship and they serve God, just like we do. We worship and serve God. And angels aren't automatically good. I want you to think through that one. Angels, because you think angels, angels are good, you know. Not all the time. And, 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 and I want you to understand, they must choose to obey. And we get this because when Lucifer was thrown out of heaven, when Satan was, was cast down, a third of the angels were cast down with him because of their disobedience. So angels can disobey just like you and I can disobey. And I tell you all this because I want you to understand that what Gabriel did, it was a decision to be obedient to the will of God. It was a decision. God sent Gabriel, and Gabriel said, yes, sir. Gabriel went. Gabriel did what Gabriel was called to do. God had a mission for them to do, and the angels chose to fulfill it. So what's the lesson for us? When we look at the angel in the nativity scene, if it be Gabriel or other angels, what is the lesson for us? And the lesson is we, we have a mission. God sent us into the world. We, we, we began the service today with the, the song, Go Tell It on a Mountain, which is a great message. Go share with the world. Jesus has been born. And Oswald Smith, he, he says, we talk about the second coming. Half the world hasn't even heard of the first one yet. Half the world doesn't even know who Jesus is or why he came. We have a job to do. We have a mission. God has come to dwell among us, and the world needs to know this. God assigned Gabriel to tell Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, and God has given us the opportunity, the assignment to tell the rest of the world. In Matthew 28, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are to go. Like Gabriel went. What does it say? Gabriel was sent by God. You and I have been sent by God. Will we be faithful like Gabriel was faithful? The angels did their part. Now we must do our part. We're on a mission. We've been given a mission. No different from Gabriel. Well, that's, that's one character. Let's look at Mary. Mary's a key character, right? Um, it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, what do we know about Mary? Mary is pretty young, teenage girl. And, and, and obviously, she has a heart for God. 
But I would think, just like any teenage girl, she has, we know she's engaged to Joseph. She's, she's planning on getting married. She's got it all planned out. She's got her dress picked out. She's got the cake picked out. She, she knows all these things, what she wants to do. She's, she's planned her life out. And then God throws her this curveball, and the angel Gabriel says, you're going to have a baby. And she says, what? Like that, that wasn't, no, that wasn't on the schedule. That wasn't, no, not yet, not now. And Mary says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And my voice just cracked. Did you hear that? That was weird. Um, and the angel answered, and the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the, the Son of God. Well, that solves everything, right? <laughs> no. Now, do you, do you realize, I mean, this is maybe difficult, difficult for our culture, but, you know, 2,000 years ago, and I would say for much of the world up until 50 years ago, to have a baby out of wedlock was not, not acceptable in society. Um, and, and, and there's a verse in Deuteronomy that says, if there is a girl who is a virgin engaged to, to a man, and another man finds her in the city and lies with her, and you shall bring, you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death. That's a consequence. It says here, the girl, because she did not cry out, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, thus you shall purge the evil from among you. This was seen as evil, to have a baby out of wedlock. Um, and, and, and here's Mary, pregnant, out of wedlock. She's not married to Joseph yet. Um, this, this is quite the dilemma. What, what do you do here? What do you do here? And, and Mary's response, get this here, verse, verse 38. This is Luke 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. That's a crazy response. That's a beautiful response. So when you look at Mary, what is it that we learn about Mary? We should have faith like Mary had faith. When when you know, God speaks to her, when God comes to her and, 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 and tells her she's going to have a baby, she was willing to commit her body to God. Not only that, she was willing to commit her reputation to God. Because what are people going to say? What are people going to think? And everybody's saying it, and everybody's thinking it. She was even okay with committing her relationship with Joseph to God. Mary could lose everything because of this commandment. But Mary chose to trust God. My question to, to us is what, is, what has God asked of you that's difficult? What has God asked of you that's hard, that might affect your body, might affect your relationships, might, re, might affect your reputation? Because the world might scorn you, the world might hate you, they might mock you, the world might kill you. For your faithfulness to God, are you going to continue to be faithful? Can we, can we learn from Mary to walk by faith the way Mary walked by faith? And Hebrews 11 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Mary had such faith. What about us? What about us? Well, let's talk about Joseph. Matthew 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace to say, hey, my fiance is pregnant and I'm not the father, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Here's, here's another one of those curveballs, you know, that uh, all of a sudden your, your life is turned upside down, your world is turned upside down, your, your fiance tells you she's pregnant and you know you're not the father. He could, he could have put her to death by law. That would have been acceptable. That would have been okay. And then the angel comes to Joseph. This is Matthew 1, verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Here the angel is asking Joseph to walk the same walk that, that Mary's been asked to walk. You know, people are going to talk about you. People might say things that are kind of cruel, kind of mean. What are you going to do, Joseph? What are you going to do? And we look at Joseph. What's the lesson here? What, what do we learn from Joseph? And, and what I see, we learn obedience. The, Joseph woke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her as a virgin, a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. That's got to be our response as well. When, when the Lord talks to us, when the Lord gives us a command, a command that might be difficult, a command that might be hard, we don't serve ourselves. We serve the king of kings. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about our will being done. It's about his will being done. Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And his commandments might be hard. Now, I said this in the first service. I, I've heard this so much in my life that people say, if God would only show himself to me, then I will obey him. And we got that completely backwards. No, if you obey him, he will show himself to you in mighty ways. And I'm asking you, can you learn anything from Joseph? Are you anything like Joseph? Can we strive to be more like Joseph? When God speaks, we will obey. Might be hard. But he's God, and we serve God. We live for God. Well, let, let's, let's talk about the baby, the star of the show, Jesus. The Word became flesh. In Luke 2, verse 6, it says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We're talking about baby Jesus being born in a manger, in, in a stable, late, late. In, because our babies, our babies, they didn't get that treatment, did they? I, I've, I've seen, I see, I just like, no, they get like a handcrafted crib, you know, from grandpa that's, you know, beautiful, polished and has gold on it and marble and all this. Maybe not. Okay. Um, you know, and, and changing, uh, changing tables and wet wipes that are in a warmer. Uh, he didn't get any of that. I'm just saying. Jesus didn't get any of that. No, you got a barn, you get a stable, a feeding trough. Here you go, Jesus, son of God, Lord of lords, king of kings. And a typical baby might not know any better. A typical baby just say, well, that's just how it is. No, Jesus knew, knew, but Jesus has been here since the creation of the world. Jesus was part of the creation of the world. Jesus knows how it could be and how everybody else does it. Jesus should have been born in a palace. 
And even that would have been not enough for him. That wouldn't have been good enough. Jesus knew the difference. It says in Philippians 2, verse 6, Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And you see it on the day he was born. This baby knew the glory of God. This baby knew comfort, the comfort of heaven. This baby knew what it meant to be God. And yet he laid all that aside in order to take up flesh and blood and become one of us. Here's my question. What do you learn from the baby? What do you learn when you look at the nativity scene, when you look at Jesus, what speaks to you? What's the lesson? And I'm thinking there's probably a thousand lessons right here, but the word that I'm thinking about right now is humility. To be, to be humble. When you're God and yet to choose to be humble, to set aside heaven, to set aside a palace, to, to be okay with being born in a barn, be, being born laid in a manger, the, the plan of God was bigger than any pride that Jesus would have had. He willingly became poor so you and I could become rich. And you and I are called to follow Jesus, to walk in his steps, to deny ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about our comfort. It's about what brings glory to God. It's about serving our Father in heaven. And humility is required. In James 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How are you doing on that? Have you become humble like Jesus has become humble? Because you know it's not about you, because you know it's about the glory of God, and you live for the glory of God. I read this um, yesterday, I think. Humility is not low self-esteem. Humility is low self-preoccupation. Is that, did I say that right? It's low self-preoccupation. You just, you're just not thinking about yourself. We're not thinking about ourselves because we're always thinking about the Lord. We're thinking about God. We're, we're, our, our mind is fixed in heaven. All right, that, that's, that's the baby. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the shepherds. I, I, this, this one's fascinating to me. Luke, Luke 2, verse 15, when the, angel, when the angels had left, left them and, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were which were just as they had been told. Now, to understand this, I think you really have to get your mind um, wrapped around what a shepherd is. A shepherd was the social outcast of the day. They had poor reputations. They were, a lot of them were thought, thought of as thieves. Um, and they smelled like sheep, so they had poor hygiene. But the thing that really stands out to me, they protected their sheep at all costs. It was a, a tremendous commitment, and you see this with David. When David was a boy, he was a shepherd. And if you remember the story of David, how he was going up against Goliath, and Saul says, you're just a boy, you can't do that. And, and David told Saul, he says, what did he say? He said, um, I, your servant, was tending uh, his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb from the flock. And I went, after, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from the mouth. Now, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a lion attacked the, the, a sheep, David says, I went after that lion. If a bear went after the, the sheep, I went after that bear. 
that's why I could never make it as a shepherd. No, that's, good luck. You can have it. I'm going to do something else, you know. Uh, but, but this was the commitment they had. No other occupation was more committed than, than the shepherd was. They lived with the sheep. They, they, they ate with the sheep. They dressed like the sheep. They smelled like the sheep. They risked their lives for their sheep. And I say all that because this is what makes it very interesting. When the angels came to the shepherds and said, unto you a child has been born, what did the shepherds do? Forget the sheep. They left the sheep. They went to see Jesus. And what does that tell you? What, what's the lesson here? The less, lesson I see here, I look at the shepherds. This is a lesson in priorities. What, what comes first in your life? Does your, your sheep come first? Your occupation come first? Or how many of you, you know, it's your family, your family comes first? I remember years ago, years ago, when the first time we were going to do a Christmas Eve service in the evening, we're not doing it this year, it'll be back next year, but, but the first time we decided to do a Christmas Eve service, my mom was mad. That's not, that's not right. Christmas is about family. I'm like, mom, mom, did you just hear what you said? No, Christmas is about Jesus, you know? So he should be, he, Jesus is our priority, so when you think about your life, is Jesus number one in your life? It says in Matthew 6, verse 3, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first, not second, not last, not sometime. First, Jesus, before my job, before my family, before anything else, Jesus. And it says in Luke 9, uh, another also said, I will follow you, Jesus, but first permit me to, to say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty heavy words from Jesus. Jesus demands priority in our lives. Jesus deserves priority in our lives. And the shepherds made Jesus their priority. How about you? What about you? Is he number one, or is he just on a list of a bunch of things you got to do? Let's talk about the wise men. Matthew 2, verse 7, Herod called the Magi, the Magi wise men, secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. That's hogwash. He didn't want to worship. He wanted to kill the baby. Um, but after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, what's interesting about these wise men, these magi, is they're not Jewish. And, and no one would have told them about the baby Jesus. I didn't see an angel in their story. They, they see a star, and they, they know it's a sign from God, and they follow God's creation, God's star, to Bethlehem. They set out for Bethlehem. And once they came, they, they only had one purpose. You see this in verse 11. After coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, uh, his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These are the only ones we're told of. And the whole nativity story, these are the only ones that we are told of that, uh, that worshiped him. 
And they, they traveled a great distance to do that. These are the only ones who, who brought him gifts. They brought gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and myrrh for a sacrifice. They gave what was fitting, they gave what was costly, and they gave of themselves to get it to them. So, so what is it? what's the lesson from the wise men? When you look at the wise men, what is it that I want you to see? What is it that, that I, I really hope you look at the nativity, you see the wise men, and you know we, we should worship Jesus Christ. When we look at the nativity and, and see the dedication and devotion, the reverence of the wise men, we should have that dedication. We should have that devotion. We should have that reverence. We should want to bow on our knees and, and worship Jesus Christ and see Jesus Christ for who he is and to see all that God has done for us. And we should fall on our knees and worship, not just, not just with our lips, but with our whole lives. We, we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Not just singing some songs, you know, not just going to church on Sundays, but our lives. We live our lives in worship of our King, our Lord, our Savior. The wise men bowed down in reverent submission to the King. And, and when, uh, when asked by King Herod, the Roman king, you know, where he was, the, 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 the wise men wisely just blew him off um, because their allegiance was to the King of Kings. They worshiped the King of Kings. They gave their gifts to the King of of kings. So here we go through the nativity story. We, we, we looked at these six characters. We look at the angel, Gabriel. We look at Mary. We look at Joseph, Jesus, the shepherds, the wise men. And we learn from each one of them. From, from, from the angel, we, we see what missions is all about. He was sent by God. You and I have been sent by God. We are on a mission. So when we look at Gabriel, we, we remember that we're on a mission. And when we look at Mary, we see her faith. She walked by faith. She trusted in God's plan, knowing that God knows best. I don't know what's best. You don't know what's best. God knows what's best. Mary put her faith in God's plan, not her plan. You look at Joseph in his obedience. He humbly obeyed the Lord's commands. You and I, even when the commands are difficult, we need to obey the Lord's commands. Jesus clothed himself in humility to do the Father's will. You and I are, to, are called to do likewise. We are to, to follow Jesus Christ. That means we need to clothe ourselves in humility so he gets the glory, not us. And like the shepherds, we need to make Jesus Christ our number one, one priority in our lives. He comes first. I, I want you to to, to go to work, you know, Monday through Friday or whatever your, it is and, and do your job and do it to the glory of God. I want you to be a good family person and raise your family for the glory of God, but I beg you to put Jesus first in everything, in your work, in your family, in your marriage, in your day-to-day -day life, Jesus comes first. And like the wise men, let us learn to fall on our knees and give God the worship. Do his name. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is our savior. And he deserves our best.
Psalm 95 says, Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it. In his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand.